Welcome to the Rock Church Audio Podcast. We are so glad that you joined us today. Rock Church is located on Harrison Avenue between Mulford and Perryville Roads in Rockford, Illinois. Now let's join Pastor Jared with today's message. Genesis chapter 32, we'll be looking at verses 22 through 32, and uh, for the sake of time, I won't read all 10 verses. It's a story that you are very familiar with. It's Jacob wrestling with God, and as we prepare to uh, look at this encounter, let's pray, let's open our hearts to receive, and let's ask the Lord to give us ears to hear, and Lord, we, we do that right now. Lord, we, uh, we dedicate this time to you, and we thank you that as we look to your word, it will speak to us. I pray that we would have eyes to see its truth, and that we would have ears to hear what you are speaking to the church today. And I pray that as we receive all that you are wanting to give, Lord, may there be a rising up within us, Lord God. May there be an embracing, Lord, of what you are doing in us. And may there be a hunger for more. So Lord, we pray now that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you would minister to each one of us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Well, I've titled this message, Encountering God's Process. Encountering God's Process. And and in our text, the, the verses that we did not read, we see that Jacob is about to have an encounter, and it's, it's not an encounter that he is expecting God to be at the center of, because he is in the process of encountering his brother Esau. And as we get into this, we're going to discover that God uses this eventual encounter with his brother Esau to accomplish a spiritual work. So the process for Jacob would prove to be transformational. It would change his character and it would change his name forever. It was a work of the Lord in Jacob's life that would break him down so that he could be built back up. And it would strip him. It would strip some things away from his life that he had been relying on. It would, it would confront some things that Jacob had construed as godly. But as the Lord takes them away, he discovers that God has something more for him. A new level of God's reality in his life. And this process that we are about to observe and look at in Jacob's life is often the way that God works in us today. Let me get a little bit more specific here. Through brokenness, through negative, difficult, and challenging circumstances, the good news for us is the Lord intervenes in our lives, and as we encounter Him and His process in these places, we we, we begin to experience a new reality. And that reality is His confrontation that focuses on 
things that might be flaws or deficits in our character or our personality, but He does so to heal those wounds and scars. Because God is in the business of breaking us to remake us. And it's all for His glory, and it's all for our good. So take a deep breath. All right? (laughs) We're going to see Jacob having to face some things in his life that he probably would not choose to face. And you know what? God brings us to those places. And He does it for His glory and for our good. So you know what? Don't don't allow the, the hesitation to look at difficult things, to, to, to rob your life of the blessings that God wants to give as we encounter His process. So let's get started. Let's, let's look at Jacob's life. We see in Genesis 32, um, Jacob as the main character. Now we, we know Jacob, we know the name, we might be familiar with maybe some of the events that transpired in his life or some things that we have read that are now coming to our attention and as we look at Jacob I want to remind you of some specific things in relation to him. He is Abraham's grandson and because of that he is a child of promise. There there is a certain destiny that has been spoken over his family. And and there is this reality that is unique to him that that, that he knows and he believes and he wants and he hungers for. And because of that, he sets out to fulfill that destiny in his own way. In other words, he knows what God wants to do. But yet Jacob establishes a pattern in his life of figuring out how he is going to accomplish what God wants to do. And because of that, he lives a life up to this point that is true to his name. Jacob's name has a very specific meaning. His name is Trickster. His name means heel grabber. His name means subplanter. His name means deceiver. And up to this point in his life, he has lived up to the meaning of that name. So what are you talking about, pastor? Well, from a very early stage of his adult life, he, he begins to orchestrate plans and schemes that will fulfill the plans and the promises of God, but in his own way and not God's. See, he deceives his father. You remember this? He, his, his, his brother Esau was the firstborn, even though they were twins. And he comes out of the womb and, and Jacob is holding on to the heel of his brother. And, and there's kind of this contention between them from the very moment of their birth. That, 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 that remains through their childhood. It remains through their upbringing. And as it becomes time for the baton to be passed, Jacob sees that his father is not going to be with them much longer. And, and he wants what should be his older brothers, this blessing. So he deceives his father. He puts, 
He puts animal skins on, so he appears to be hairy like his brother, and, and, and he disguises himself, and he presents himself to his father as if he were Esau, and in doing so, he cheats Esau out of his birthright. Esau gives up his birthright for a bowl of soup. You know, he comes out from the field after you know, times of hunting, and he's very hungry, he's, he's depleted, and he says, you know what, I'm willing to give up that which is mine for this small bowl of stew or porridge or soup. Jacob takes full advantage of that and lives up to his name, deceiver, trickster, supplanter. And now in Genesis 32, we see that Esau is coming to Jacob. We see that in verses 6 and 7 earlier in the chapter. And guess what? Esau is not coming alone. He's coming with 400 men. Jacob is concerned. I, I, I've robbed, I've deceived, I've stolen my brother. There has been a little bit of distance between us up to this point, And now I get word that he's coming to me. And he's coming to me with 400 men. And Jacob's response is, is, is probably the same response that we would all have if we found ourselves in that situation. Uh, he moved to protect what he had. He took a defensive posture. And he said, Lord, have mercy. Or shall I say, Lord, have mercy. Verse 9, he says, oh God. Verse 10, he says, I'm unworthy. In verse 11, he says, deliver me. <laughs> and as in a, a part of this encounter with his brother, he finds himself absolutely alone. He sends away his wives, his children, his servants, his possessions, and he finds himself in the wilderness all alone. And the reason for that was because nothing he owns and no one he knows can help him. You see, and that oftentimes is the way that it, it is in our lives when we've been going our own way. Jacob finds himself stripped. Everything has been taken away. And he is by himself. And he has a problem. His brother is coming. He has prayed to God. But yet, his situation continues to deteriorate. It's not the answer that we expect when we pray, is it? But oftentimes, as we encounter God's process, He works in ways that we cannot determine, figure out, or size up. In fact, that's why the Bible says that His ways are not our ways, and that's good news for us. Verse 23 says, Jacob was left alone, and then a man wrestles with him until the breaking of dawn. See, this is the, the escalation that is taking place. In its most weakened and vulnerable moment, things escalate. And have you ever noticed that this is true for us too? 
that when we, when we have no more strength to fight, another opponent stands in front of us. And we pray and things seem to become more complicated. We feel alone and abandoned and as if God has not heard our prayers. But you see, we cannot size up God's process for our lives in just the moment because we must run, understand and recognize that when we put our trust in the Lord, there should be a faith that arises within us that is not momentary, but rather it is a faith and a trust that recognizes that from beginning to end, He will take care of me. Because oftentimes as we encounter God's process, He remakes us by breaking us. He remakes us by stripping things away. He remakes us by calling out those things that we have established and placed our trust in. And quite often, when we don't respond to Him, He will make things worse. Now, I know that um, for some of you, that, that's a controversial statement. Does God make things worse for His people? You know, when I read my Bible, I read about exile, I read about shipwrecks, I read about persecution, I see that uh, all 12 of the disciples were martyred for the faith. I don't see an entirely happy, prosperous, and easy journey. But rather, I see those who are called to stand for the faith that they have placed in the Lord. And even when the things of this world stand against the people of God, the Lord gives a strength to endure. So oftentimes, when we are not responding to the Lord, when we are wrestling with God and we are not responding in the way that we need to, to see the things that He is desiring to form and to fashion within us, He will make it worse. And we see in verse 25 that that is exactly what the Lord did. Because after they wrestled and they wrestled and they wrestled, the hip of Jacob was touched. So here's the way that I, I size that up. Sometimes the Lord will disconnect something to move you. To deliver you from the deficits and the scars and the things that are not of Him. He will move you. He will move the core of you. And it's all out of His love and His grace and His mercy. And here's how Jacob responds to this encounter. When God is doing a very uncomfortable thing in his life, 
and when he doesn't fully understand it, and in fact, at this moment, he doesn't even truly understand who he's wrestling. Jacob responds this way. He holds on. Verse 26 says, uh, he says, uh, let me go for the day breaks. This is the man responding to Jacob. He says, let me go. He says that because Jacob was holding on. You see, his hip has now been struck. His body is now weary from wrestling through the night. Jacob is not fully aware of all that is happening. He doesn't see the significance of what he is going through at this point. But yet, as the break of dawn begins to transpire, he was not only hurting, but he was holding on. He was holding on. It's easy to let go of God when He is trying to break you. But Jacob says, you have hurt me, but I am holding on to you. See, when God begins to work in ways that are uncomfortable, in ways that are stretching, it's easy to let go. But as we encounter God's process for our lives, we must hold on to the one and the only one who can transform us and change us and remake us. So my exhortation to all of us today is no matter what God is doing in your life, no matter how hard it is, no matter how deep it cuts, no matter how much it is shaking the foundations that you have been standing on, hold on to Him. Hold on to Him. And not only is Jacob holding on, but in verse 26, he says, I won't let you go until you bless me. Until you bless me. You see, that phrase begins to indicate to me that Jacob is beginning to understand what's happening here. He's beginning to see the picture clear up. He's beginning to understand who he's been wrestling. And he's drawing the conclusion that um, this is not a human match. There's more to the battle here than the fight. But rather something spiritual is occurring. As we find ourselves in these places and in these times when we are encountering a process from God, I want to remind you, don't mistake the hand of God for the hand of man. Sometimes we think we are wrestling man when we are really dealing with God. Because all that we can see is what we can see. And that may not be all that there is to see. 
The desire of God may be to do more. Because that is precisely what he is doing in Jacob's life here. See, Jacob in verse 26 says, I'm not going to let go of you until you bless me. Earlier in Jacob's life, he lived up to his name of deceiver and trickster and supplanter to do what? To receive the blessing of his father. And now the work that, Jacob, that God is doing in Jacob's life is one, to shift that place in his heart that says, I have to do things in my strength and in my way to get what I believe is mine. Jacob is now realizing that he is not wrestling a man, but rather he is wrestling one who is endeavoring to accomplish a spiritual work. And that his own schemes and his own plans and his own expectations are not enough. But rather, there is a blessing that is higher and greater than what I can produce, than what I can connive for, what I can scheme for. And I believe that a part of what the Lord is wanting to settle into Jacob's heart is this. Jacob, you need to understand that as a son you have an inheritance. And it will be given to you. But when you try to produce it in your own means, there is a reality that you walk in that is insufficient. And I think that unknowingly, we all find ourselves in that place at times we know the truth of the scripture and that knowledge is present in our minds and in our hearts but it's a two-part process in that it's not just about the knowing but it is also about the surrender and the obedience and when surrender and obedience are absent, all the knowledge does is it puffs up and it creates a heart with a false assurance. And Paul puts it this way, it denies the power. Because the power of the word and the work and the process of God in our lives is that it does not just fill us with information, but rather it transforms us and it remakes us. And Jacob in his wrestling is facing that reality to a level he has never faced it before. And because of that, he's saying what I have had up to this hour is not enough. So I'm not going to let go of you until you bless me. Because there is a higher and a greater and a more powerful blessing than the one 
that I have made true for my life. He was beginning to understand that God may use something physical to achieve something spiritual. And the only way he was going to know the power of spiritual transformation was to be honest and truthful and to acknowledge his weakness. Because as he holds on, and as he won't let go, the man he was wrestling says to him, What is your name? And he said, My name is Jacob. This is um, a part of the story that I had never, uh, I think, really drilled down as deeply into as I saw this week. There's power in a name. There's identity in a name. And the angel, the man, says, what is your name? And, and a part of the reason why we may, at first glance, not recognize the significance of that question is because we live in a different time. Uh, names in biblical times often describe the nature and the character of the person. You know, the, the, the parents would ascribe a meaning to the name that was uh, either reflective of something that had happened or was a hope that they had for that child as they grew up and became a man or a woman. And we tend to choose names today because we like them. <laughs> you know, we name our children because you know, we like the name quite often. And that cultural perspective kind of robs us of a, a, a little bit of understanding from the significance of what is happening here. Because when, when the Lord asked Jacob, what was your name? He was saying to him, describe yourself to me. The real question was not, what is your name? But the real question was, are you willing to admit your name? You have now wrestled with me through the night. I have now touched your hip, and you are, you are injured. And there is a deeper work that I am wanting to do beyond the physical. And the only way it is going to happen is if you are honest and truthful and will admit who you are. So what is your name? Describe yourself to me. Who are you? My name is Jacob. I am the deceiver. I am the trickster. I have used less than godly pursuits to get my way. My name is Jacob. You see, when we encounter God's process, 
wherever we are in our journey with him, he will ask us the same question. What is your name? Describe yourself to me. Who are you? And are we willing to to fess up to, to who we are when we are alone with him? Okay, this is where the word is going to begin to cut a little bit. The writer of Hebrews tells us that the word of God is alive and it is active and it is a double-edged sword. It's sharp. And this, 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 you know, this, this point is not being given to us to uh, in, in, in inflict a wound so that we run in the other way, but rather it is being given to us so that something can be removed. You see, there's, there, there's a difference between malicious intent, which is what you know, maybe a, 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 a robber would do when they were trying to take your possessions, and there is something to be said for that which is strategic and intentional and surgical. And the Word of God is surgical. It shines a light. It reveals things to us so that the Lord can take it out. And I feel like this, this encountering God's process that we see in the life of Jacob is one that has that assignment. It wants to take some things out of our lives. So maybe we're here today and and, and our name is something like proud. When the Lord says, who are you? What is your name? When we're in his presence and we see ourselves for who we are, maybe our name is proud. Or maybe our name is insecure. You know, maybe our name is poser. You know, we put on a certain exterior when, when the condition of our heart does not match up with what people see and hear. You know, maybe your name is afraid. Like the lens that you've been looking at the world is one of fear and not hope. You know, maybe your name is wounded. And there was something that has transpired and it still has life in you today and it is still driving you. It is still influencing you. It is still speaking to you because of what was said or what was done. And your name is wounded. Maybe your name is forgotten. I feel all alone. I can be in a crowd and feel alone. Because that's just the condition of my heart. And I know that the word says God is with me, but I don't believe it all the time. What is your name? Who are you? And know this. When we encounter God's process and he says, what is your name? What has been 
the, 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 the guiding force in your life? What are the things that you have labeled upon your life and, 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 and made identity? What are they? What are they? What are they? I've had to move your core to get you to a place to admit the condition that you find yourself in. Whatever your name is, whether it be a scar or a deficit, they are identities that are against the will of God for your life. And they keep you from knowing the fullness of His blessing in your life. But know this about God. He will wrestle with you until you say your name. And it's for your good and His glory. It's encountering God's process, which results in transformation. Why? Because that's the business that God is in. He wants to change your name. He wants to change your identity. Verse 28. Your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. See, here's the heart of God for all of us. Uh, we're, we're engaged in a fight, whether we want to admit it or not. You know, the, 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 the scriptures say, you know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You know, there's this, this, always this contending that the scriptures talk about in relation to our faith and in following Christ. To be a race or a wrestling match, we are, we are contending for the faith. But the heart of God for you is this. He wants you to, he wants you to engage in a fight that, lead, that leads to the right conclusion. And in this life, it's his transformation. And in the life to come, it's eternity with him. So we, we have to size up where we're at right now. Have we been fighting the right fight? And have we been fighting in the right way? Because the Lord commends this fight for, for fighting and prevailing and for pressing through. And his eyes begin to open a little bit more because he, he says in verse 29, Who are you? He's not only sensing a a, a, a physical response to wrestling with this man but he's now sensing a spiritual work because things in his heart are beginning to shift and this man has just said you are no longer going to be called deceiver you are going to be called israel who has the power to do this jacob is saying who are you what is going on And as I thought about that, I thought, you know, it's a good thing for Jacob he was in the presence of the Lord and not the presence of me. Because my human response would have been to Jacob after that question, well, you should know by now. <laughs> you've been blocked, you've been stopped, it should be clear who you are dealing with. 
But God's response was not that. And you know what? Sometimes the response of those around us disappoint us, but you know what? God's response is always going to lead you forward. Because in verse 29 it says, He blessed him there. He blessed him there. Jacob, what you have desired since you were a boy, and what you have connived and deceived and done evil to accomplish. I have now stripped away so that I can give you my perfect blessing. He received that blessing and it revealed the power of God. Let me remind you of this. Only the blessing of God can heal scars and fill empty places. Only the blessing of God has the power to move us and to change our name and our identity. And Jacob has now realized this. In verse 30, he says, I have seen God face to face, and he has preserved my life. He could have killed me. He could have taken me out. He could have poured out his judgment and his wrath because you know the Lord had the power to do much more than just strike a hip. Hmm. Jacob has gained a new perspective. In fact, Jacob would tell us this. If you're still here, he isn't finished with you. If you are still here, he is not finished with you. But he is just working out his process in your life. And that process should remind all of us that he still has a plan. But you know what? Jacob still walks with a limp, doesn't he? We see that in verse 31. Years later, he's still walking with a limp. Because as he goes to bless his sons at the end of his life, scriptures say he's still walking with a limp. You know what? Jacob didn't see that limp as a curse, but he saw it as a blessing. <laughs> Years later, as he's still limping, Jacob would say, I'm limping because I've been blessed. See, I once was independent. I once was a deceiver. I once was a conniver. I once was self-sufficient. But God broke me down. I once had scars, and I once needed a fresh start. And the Lord met me in that place and He gave me a new name and He blessed me. And you know what? That limp, it reminds me of that every day. But you know what? It also reminds me of my weakness and my dependency. That I can't make it without Him. 
And let me take a little bit of liberty here with the Scripture. Because I think that, that Jacob might add one little bonus to that commentary, and it's this. And you know what? On occasion, when I start to go back down my own path, the Lord reminds me I got another hip. Encountering God's process. It's not always quick. It's not always painless. But you know what? It is always for your good and for His glory. Because sometimes He breaks us down to build us up. And He does so because He wants to bless us. You know, I wonder how many of us are here today and we're aware of a blessing. There's been a blessing spoken over your life in the past that you've not realized yet. I know I have them. Encountering God's process reminds me I must be patient. reminds me that there is no value in me trying to make it happen on my own. But rather, I have to absolutely trust and be confident in God's timing to deliver what He has promised. But there also may be some things in me that He's wanting to break down. He's wanting to break down enough for him to do what he's promised to do. I heard somebody illustrate it this way. And I trust this will stick with you as we go home today. It might even kind of rattle around in your brain a little bit throughout the week. How many of you have had a piggy bank? Sometime in your life you had a piggy bank. You had a slot, you dropped your change in there. We always say, you know what, I'm not going to empty it out until it's all the way full. And then we get about halfway through and we're like, you know what, um, I, I think I want what's on the inside to get out. So on the older ones, there was not that plug to pop out at the bottom. There was just the slot. That's right. So what you got to do is you, you take that piggy bank and you turn it upside down and you start shaking. Right? <laughs> you start shaking. And, you, you, and then as you're shaking it, you're hearing the coins rattle around on the inside. And it just makes you want to get what's on the inside out more and more. So you shake a little harder and you keep shaking. And then all of a sudden, you just become discontent with the, 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 the level to which things are coming out. And what do you do? Uh, you go into the shop and you get a hammer. <laughs> and you take that piggy bank and you break it. <laughs> 
And if you're a little bit more wild, you don't wait for the hammer. (laughs) You just throw it on the ground. And you let it shatter before your feet. You know, in many respects, that's what encountering God's process does for us. He shakes us and he breaks us so the good that he has for us can get out and be on display for the world to see. Today, let's embrace God's process and not wrestle against it. Why don't you stand with me as we close in prayer? I would um, just kind of move us to this place. You know, what is, what is God doing in your life and have you turned your back on it? Have you given up? Have you grown weary? The Word of God today would remind us to hold on. Hold on. And it would, it would call us to hold on today for the sake of receiving the blessing that only God can give us. That only God can give us. So as we just close in a moment of reflection and application, you know, we're going we're gonna to just kind of shift our, our position and we're going to move away from just listening now And you're going to have a conversation with the Lord. And I think that conversation that needs to invite and embrace God's transformative process, it it needs to be a response that just says, Lord, I welcome your breaking in my life. Because you know that he's not malicious in that, but you know that he's surgical, he's precise it's for his glory and our good. And I know that we do it a lot, but let's just um, put ourselves in that receiving position again. If you're just in that place where you're saying, Lord, Lord, do your work, you just raise your hands and kind of open them as a posture of surrender and receiving. It all starts with humility. Just begin to pray a very specific prayer. Lord, we thank you 
Thank you that you are here today and that through your word you are speaking to us. Father, we pray that you would transform us. That you would make us into your image. We thank you that you are the God of encounter. You've not left us alone, but you are with us. as a way of just kind of reminding ourselves of the heart of God in all of these matters. We're going to just close out again by singing the doxology. Let its words settle into your heart and as we sing it, we give the glory to God for who He is and what He is doing as we prepare to leave. Pastor Marty, go ahead and lead us. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly homes. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So as you go, go in the grace and the peace and the mercy of our God. Encourage one another as you leave. It's been wonderful to worship with you. God bless you all. Thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We hope this has been a blessing in your life. And we look forward to having you joining us in person for a service soon. Our service times are Thursday nights at 7 o'clock and two services on Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. God bless you.